so we are in a series called He Will Be Called or He Shall Be Called. I keep changing it because I don't use the word shall very much uh, I, unless I'm at home. And, then, um, and so I keep calling it He Will Be Called, but you can call it whatever you want. We've been talking about this uh, section of scripture in Isaiah. And what it is, is uh, 700 years before Jesus was born, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, prophesied how it was going to go down. And not only that, also prophesied the importance of what it meant to have Jesus um, be born the way he was. And so uh, if, if you want to put it into context historically, this was written 2,700 years ago and uh, is still incredibly relevant today. And um, hopefully I'll show you this morning how it's incredibly relevant for your life. Um, and so Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, it says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. I just, for a second, I just want you to kind of keep in the back of your mind this idea about light and how Jesus comes as a light in the darkness, okay? And it goes on in verse 3, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. And then it goes into a, a very famous section of scripture that you've probably heard every single Christmas. Um, uh, if, if you've been around church at all. It says this, for to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Now for the last two weeks, we covered these first two titles, this idea of Wonderful Counselor, and I talked about um, uh, going to counseling, that I w went to counseling, and I had a really great counselor, and then we kind of talked about how that's similar to our Wonderful Counselor, Jesus, and we talked about how uh, Jesus um, knows us and knows uh, our, our history and all this kind of stuff and loves us and knows what our next steps are. And so we talked about that in Wonderful Counselor. And then last week, we kind of had a heavy theological week um, of Mighty God. And, and um, for, again, for those of you who are here who are struggling um, with the idea that Jesus is God, that that's one of the higher hurdles for you to jump over, we talked about this last week. I get it. I totally understand it. Um, but what I was hoping to do was show you at least why we believe that and, um, and why Jesus believed that. And so um, if, you, if you want, if, if, if you missed last week and you're kind of wondering, yeah, I, I know of that doctrine of Jesus is God, Jesus is deity, if you will, but I don't really know how we get to it. I'd, uh, I'd love it if you checked out our website and you can look at the, uh, listen to the podcast there or go on iTunes and listen to it. And uh, hopefully that'll help you kind of at least get to the understanding of why we believe that Jesus was God. In the same way, we get to this third thing, everlasting father. Now, if you grew up Catholic or, um, or just in church or whatever, you're used to this idea, even if you didn't know what it was called, this doctrine of the Trinity. And, and so um, maybe when you got married, if you had a pastor there or somebody, they, they said a prayer. And at the end of it, they said, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That, that is a typical phrase that you'd hear in church uh, almost every week. And, uh, and you might have heard it in some other different contexts. So the idea that Jesus would be called everlasting Father is kind of weird to us because um, we think of 
father as being the father, and he's the son, and then when he left, the, he, they, he gave us the Holy Spirit. We kind of segment it that way, and, and this is one of the difficulties with, with God, is that he, he doesn't make himself real simple, you know, like, like our, our tiny, you know, brains can't fathom what it means to be three people in one person. And we try to do it with things like an egg and a, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm John, I'm a person, but I'm also a dad and I'm also a son. We try to try to do all that kind of stuff, but nothing does justice to this idea that we would call Jesus everlasting father. So my hope this morning, as we take just the next half hour or so, is that we would leave with a sense of why Isaiah um, is allowed to call Jesus everlasting father. Now, when I put everlasting father up there, this idea of father for a group this size and including first service and everything, this is going to stir up a whole bunch of different images. For some of you, statistically, uh, you don't even know your dad. That you grew up with your mom in a single family household. And, 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 and so the idea of father to you is something that's maybe a little foreign. And maybe your mom kind of had to shoulder the burden of being both mom and dad. For some of you, your parents split up. And so you know your dad, but you spent half the, growing up, you spent half the time with your mom and half the time with your dad. So it seemed kind of like a segmented thing. For some of you, your parents got divorced and then they remarried. So now you've got like a mom and a stepmom who you call mom and a dad and a stepdad and one you call dad and one you call Joe. And, you know, you just kind of, it's like, it's like this, this convoluted thing, you know, and, and it's difficult. For some of us in this room, our, our dad was abusive, uh, verbally, physically, emotionally. Some of us, our dad was impossible to please. We felt like we just worked and worked and worked and worked and worked, and we were just waiting. We were just hoping to hear, I'm proud of you. I love you. Great to see you. And we never heard that. For some of us, our parents, our, our dad to us was just bigger than life. And we've spent our whole lives trying to measure up to our dad. Like, and, and he would have these great sayings and these great slogans. And he did well in business or he knew how to fix everything. And, and you play the saxophone. And it's just like, it's just like this thing. And you're like, I wish you could be more like my dad. But you, but you can't because you're, you're just different uh, people. I have two um, very vivid memories of my dad growing up. And uh, one was uh, we had this lake house in New Jersey that my grandparents owned. And um, we would go to the lake house and uh, I would go fishing at, at the lake. And so we did some fishing. Or I, I did fishing. And then um, my family did um, drinking. <laughs> so there was like fishing that I did, and then there was drinking that my family did. And that's kind of why you go to the lake house. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the lake was made out of scotch. Anyway, um, <laughs> which is why I could never catch any fish, or the ones I caught were... Anyway, okay, so, uh, so we were there, and um, uh, it was evening time, which is when everything 
begins to hit the uh, liver and get uh, go through the bloodstream. And so my uncle and my dad got into an argument, which was common um, as men. Uh, you know, you kind of get the whole man in a can thing where one person disrespects somebody else or you talked about my woman or what all this kind of. And so the, it, it started to get elevated. And all of a sudden, I watched my uncle and my dad start hitting each other like in the face. And I'm like trying to figure all this out. And my uncle tackles my dad and they fall down these steps. Now these steps weren't like, they were made out of these uh, this stone. And so my dad gets up and he's bloody and my uncle's bloody and they're, um, they're using language uh, that uh, was different than maybe you or I would use. Um, and so the cops were called, and they, they take my dad. And, uh, and, and, and I'll, I'll finish the story in just a little bit, but I just remember that sense of like, I think I, I, think I just lost my dad. Like, I think my, my dad's gone. And so I just remember that whole thing. And so if you were to ask me then about my everlasting father, I wouldn't know what to tell you. I, I, I would say, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think they're mad at each other. I couldn't figure out. The other um, very vivid memory I have, my dad, uh, my mom locked my dad out of the house um, on purpose. And, uh, and so um, my dad was banging on the front door and, uh, um, and he he kicked the front door in. Now, again, I realize that when you remember stuff as a little, you know, like when you were little, you remember it differently. So, I just remember the door landing like six inches away from my feet. My feet. Now, it might have been like four feet, you know, but when you're little, you're, you don't know. And I just see my dad. He just like, he's filling the door frame and he's um, perturbed. <laughs> okay. Now, I praise God. Uh, my dad never, um, when he was drunk or, or, or whatever, he, he never uh, hit me or hit my mom or whatever, but it was just extremely unstable. It was, they would fight uh, verbally. The, every Christmas, we had this big Christmas party, and it was just, ugh. It was just, it's one of the reasons why, if you're like, how come you're not into Christmas? Ugh. Okay. So, um, so, so the, all, all this is going on. Now, if you were to ask me, when the door landed by my feet, tell me, do you know you have a father in heaven who's all-powerful? I would be like, Really? awesome. And he knows where you are at all times. Oh, fantastic. You know, and you can't get away from him, you know. And so, so my mom, after my dad kicked in the door, we went to my aunts and everybody sobered up and we all lived happily ever after. But this idea for you, you, you could tell similar stories or maybe you can't, but this idea that Jesus would be called everlasting father. We have this idea of what's a good dad, what's a bad dad, all this. I, I put some pictures up here just so we can get an idea. I don't know if you ever saw this uh, movie. Yeah, some of you, you know, his, his dad is the father of the bride or whatever. He's like a wealthy dude who doesn't want to see his daughter. And so we, we, that's like a good dad. He, he, he doesn't want to spend the money on the wedding, but he really, he does in the end, and everybody turns out fine. Um, there's this, this is Miley and um, Billy Ray Cyrus. Now, Billy Ray started as a good dad from our standpoint. My girls grew up on Hannah, Montana. And so we would talk about, hey, what if I could, you know, like, 
now that she has $800 million, wouldn't that be cool if I were your dad and I got you $800 million? Well, not so much as it turns out. But anyway, so, so then we go, oh, bad dad. And, and when she turns her life back around, it'll be good dad again. This is David Beckham. I just wanted to give you an example of just like a really attractive dad. Okay. Um, <laughs> So there's that, and then and the baby's just like, the, the whole family is disgusting. Okay, let's go to this one. Okay, this, okay now, now we can all say, uh, he, this is a bad, this is a bad, this is Darth Vader, right? It's a bad dad. Except in this first episode, they take off his helmet, and his head's all jacked up, and you're like, aw, like, no wonder he's so angry. Like, he's all <laughs> disfigured. It's like, once you get to know him a little bit more, you're like, he, you know, he's not so bad. He's got some respiratory issues, whatever. So, um, so he's got that. Like, now we look at this picture, we say, that's, that's a great dad right there. But um, he was just shot by federal agents, and that's why he looks like that, and, uh, try, trying to steal that baby. Here's a, um, this, Will Smith is a bad dad because they were both in this movie, and that was, that was just a really bad movie. Um, that's Michael Jackson, um, and I guess you can't hang your baby over a balcony anymore, so... Um, there's that. But the next picture to me, um, if I had to pick a picture where I thought that, that that's a cool dad. Like that's the kind of dad I'd want to be. Or that's the perfect dad. It's not anybody famous. Um, uh, but this to me is... <laughs> that, that's a good dad. Now, it was really awesome. See, you guys, second service is a little more sophisticated than first service. Uh, it took them like three seconds, and then they're like, Whoa! you know, like, like, because they like followed the trail, and they're like, oh, now I see uh, the or, or, origin there. Um, but like, so for those who listen uh, on podcasts and don't attend our church physically, uh, I'm looking at a picture of a guy. Uh, you can just see his back, and there's just a pee trail going down his back because his daughter is sitting on his shoulders uh, peeing on him. Um, actually, it's quite disgusting. Um, and then the other cool thing about this dad, uh, so not only is she peeing on him, but she's got an ice cream cone. Like, like that's a perfect dad. Like, go ahead and pee on me, and we'll get ice cream. Like, like wow, that, that's not how I remember my childhood uh, right there. But, but in all seriousness, in all seriousness, this, for me, is how I picture Jesus. Like, like so one of, the, one of the terms for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And that, that in fact, as we had talked about just a little bit, th- this idea that God would, 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 would send his son and, and in the form of a baby to be with us, to like have us and he buys us ice cream. Now, now again, I, I realize theologically this can only go so far, but for, for me personally, I think of, when I think of Jesus, I think of, wow, he, he is with me. He's able to see me at my rawest. He knows my deepest needs. He knows all this kind of stuff. What, I, what I'm hoping to show you this morning is that when you see that Jesus, what you see is the heart of, of your heavenly father. I I don't know how you see God typically, but what what I want you to see, hopefully by the time we're done, is that you'll see that this is the heart of your heavenly father for you. And there is a very real reason why Jesus can be called everlasting father. So let me just show you a, a few 
scriptures in here and a couple points. The first is that Jesus was consistently pointing to your heavenly father. And I chose this language very specifically. He was pointing to his heavenly father, but you just have to understand that he was pointing to your heavenly father. And that for some of you, this, this transition from your earthly father to your heavenly father is going to be a tough journey. It's going to be hard for you to think of God differently than your dad. Now, I praise God for my dad because those two stories I told were when I was about between seven and nine years old. But my dad's been sober for 35 years. And, and there, there, there are things that I, as I've watched Jesus transform my dad, he's becoming and has become uh, closer to my heavenly father. And, and any good dad, really, that's the sign of a good dad. You just become more like Jesus. That's really all there is. And so Jesus was consistently pointing to your heavenly father and his heavenly father all the time. As a matter of fact, in the book of John, which is the book we're going to be staying in mostly and what we stayed in um, last week, uh, Jesus references his father over 35 times. It's like a really big point for Jesus. As a matter of fact... Um, Jesus says this, um, it's so intimate, this relationship. He said, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, and what what Jesus is doing is he's pointing to his death. He's predicting his death, which essentially any one of us can do, right? I'm I'm predicting right now I'm going to die someday. Uh, What is unique about Jesus is he's predicting how he's going to die. Uh, And most likely he knows when, because he knew when his hour had come. And so he says, when you've lifted up the Son of Man, that's why we have the cross here. It's exactly what happened. Then you will know that I am he, and I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Jesus constantly pointing to his Father. That was in John 8, 28. Uh, In John 14, 10, he says it this way. Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me, doing his work. And so so he was trying to get them to understand, essentially... Just because I'm here in the flesh and I'm a human being and I have all this kind of stuff, what I want to point to is your heavenly father who loves you and created you and is the God of the universe. This is why Jesus came, to provide a way for us to have a relationship with our heavenly father, which is different in a lot of cases than the relationship we have with our earthly father. One last one about this idea that uh, Jesus is constantly pointing to his uh, heavenly father. He says this, um, my father is always at his work. To this very day, I too am working. And so Jesus is talking about this idea. Not only uh, does he uh, say everything his father tells him to say, but he does everything his father tells him to do. Now, why, why would he do that? Why would Jesus be so much pointing to the Father? Why, why, why wouldn't Jesus just kind of come like we do? Like Jesus came, came in a manger, you know, like decided to be a carpenter with his dad and all this kind of stuff. And then, and then you know, kind of pray, God, do you want me to go into the ministry? And, you know, <laughs> whatever. I mean, what, 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 he, he, would just, he wouldn't say a thing or do a thing unless his heavenly Father told him to do it. What, what was that all about? Well, it brings me to my second point, that Jesus, got to get this point. It's probably the biggest point of the morning. Jesus was the perfect 
example of what the Father looks like. Jesus's, one of Jesus' main goals was to demonstrate what God is like. And so in order to demonstrate what God is like, what your heavenly father is like, he had to do everything his father told him to do. And he had to say everything your heavenly father told him to say. That would give you the clearest representation of what God is like. As a matter of fact, the book of Hebrews uh, was written by somebody. We don't know who it was written by. Uh, but it was written to uh, Hebrews, and so we named it Hebrews. Um, here's what it says about Jesus. This is just incredible, and will blow your mind. Um, the sun is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being. You know this. Jesus was the exact representation of the Father. Now, for those of us who've been in church for a long time, and we think of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, if you're like me, because I, I, I'm the same way, I, I kind of categorize them all. There's like God the Father, and he's up on like a giant throne, um, and he's not super happy uh, with me, <laughs> okay? And so I triangulate with Jesus, and I'm like, hey, Jesus, could you do me a favor? Could you tell him that uh, actually what I meant when I said that was, you know, I didn't actually mean that. And then Jesus, hey, it's cool. Don't, don't sweat it. I died for your sins. I'll make it good with the banana. If any of you have had brothers and sisters, you know how this works. Or if any of you have tried to play one parent against the other, you know you just have my theology of, of God. <laughs> that, that's it, right? It's like, it's like I kind of see him. I kind of see him different. Sometimes. You ever do that? And then the Holy Spirit, who knows what the Holy Spirit's doing? Is it jamming around, you know, kind of making people dance and speaking tongues and stuff like that? Like he's just kind of the crazy, you know, what? You know, it's a kind of this weird thing. Listen, the Bible doesn't teach that. The, the Bible says this Do you want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus because he's the exact representation of your Heavenly Father. Well, he didn't seem that angry. No, he doesn't. Well, he. Jesus seems like he's like really interested in me. Yeah. So is your heavenly father. And Jesus, Jesus looked out over the crowds and he had compassion over him. Yeah, so does your heavenly father. Jesus is the exact representation of who God is. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Hey, you know, you know what? It, again, this is just my weird mind. I don't know. But like I picture him sitting down exhausted. <laughs> like, like, like he goes, he, he's, he provides purification for our sins. He hung around us for 30 years and he just like sits down like, uh, I am so glad to be off of earth right now. That is not biblically accurate. It's just my thing. He sits down majestically like we did it. We were able to show what we're like, essentially. He sits down by the right hand of the majesty in heaven. It's awesome. Jesus is the exact representation. I want to go back real quick so you just see this. Jesus was the perfect example of the Father. If you want to know God, you got to know Jesus. Okay? All right. Next, uh, next thing here. Um, in Jesus' own words... 
Because for me to explain it to you is fine and everything, but it would be better, I think, to hear it from Jesus. How, how did Jesus see this idea of, um, would he agree with Isaiah saying his name will be called Everlasting Father? What, what, would Jesus go, oh, no, 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 hold on. Don't get ahead of yourself. I'm the son. He's the father. How would Jesus kind of define this idea that he would be labeled Everlasting Father? This is his own words. Again, it's in John. John talks a lot about his deity, a lot about him and the relationship with um, our Heavenly Father. He says this, And Jesus cried out, okay, which means it's a big deal. Whoever believes in me does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. Now, for some of you, I, I get, uh, like we talked before, you, you believe in God, you're not an atheist. Um, uh, may, maybe you've moved from being agnostic. You like, you, you know, maybe you started out atheist, and then you're like, you moved to agnostic, and you're like, okay, you know what? I, I'm I'm willing to accept that I don't know everything, and that there might be a, a God. And then you move to become a theist, and you actually believe in God. But your hang-up is Jesus. Like, why does he have to be the only way? Um, uh, I don't know if he's really God. Uh, you know, just kind of that's your thing. I, I get that. But here's what Jesus is saying. If you believe in him, you, do, uh, you not only believe in him, but also the one who sent you. And the reverse is true. Your, how you believe in God is going to be framed by how you believe in Jesus. You can come up with your own thing that, that sounds logical, and I get that. You know, you look at, you say, I believe in God, but there's so much suffering, I can't make the connection, so my God just kind of sits up there and doesn't do anything, and you can't really, and I get that. Logically, that's kind of where we get to. But Jesus was not saying that. He says, if you believe in me, you believe in the Father. And then, just in case you didn't get that, Jesus goes on to an incredible statement. Here's what he says. The one who looks at me... Okay? Seize the one who sent me. Watch me. Learn from me. Look at me. When you look at me, you get an idea of who God is. Who your heavenly father is. Now, either Jesus is absolutely cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, okay? Or he's making stuff up, or he's just way out of his lane, or whatever. Or, Jesus came as a baby, to show you the heart of your heavenly father. Thus, he can carry the title everlasting father because he is the exact representation. That in fact, your belief in God should be framed by the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's your heavenly father. That's the heart of your heavenly father. He goes on. He says, I've come into the world as a light. Remember we talked about in Isaiah? Take, take a look at that idea of light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. This is the whole point. It's like, why go on with a belief about God that isn't true? Why go on with a belief about yourself that isn't true? That's just darkness. Following me, believing in me, and understanding that I am the representation of your heavenly father brings light. He says, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them. I don't judge that person for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. My job here is to point to the heavenly father. You want to know the heart of your heavenly father? Look at me. Is it different than your father? Absolutely. 
We'll talk about that in just a second. So he goes on. He says, I, I, my job isn't to judge, it's to save. And then he says this, and this is very, very important. Because as you see, God has some consequences. And sometimes even Christians get this wrong, and they, have the, they see the consequences. There are some Christians that believe their God is like their dad, who kept telling them they weren't good enough and they have to keep working and trying and working and trying and getting better and better and better and better and better and better and better. And so they spend their whole life in their relationship with God trying to get better and better and better and better and better and better and better. And it's never enough. And so they miss out on so much of what God has for them. So Jesus goes on. He says, there is a judge for the one who rejects me and does not accept my words. The very words I have spoken will condemn them in the last day. In other words, there is this reckoning that happens if you miss the heart of your heavenly father. You, you don't understand what he's like. You're going to miss. And, and, and I think Jesus is talking about not only the afterlife, but also here and now. That, there's a, that you can miss it. So then watch what he does. He goes on. So you have, you have this whole idea of condemnation. You're thinking, that is like my dad. I totally understand that. Watch this. He says, for I did not speak on my own, but my father who sent me commanded me to say, all that I have spoken is what he says. I know that this command leads to eternal life. So whatever I say is just what the father told me to say. Do you know what your heavenly father wants for you? <laughs> he wants eternal life for you. He doesn't want it to just start in heaven. He wants it to start right now. Your heavenly father wants you to be free. Free from addiction. Free from having to perform. Free from uh, being alone. Free from feeling like you have to do it all yourself and you have to work and if you don't provide for yourself and all this kind of stuff. All the ways our earthly fathers uh, can sometimes fail us. Your heavenly father wants that fulfilled. So, so, so maybe for you, your dad wasn't a great provider, okay? And so in, in, in you, you just have this sense that uh, if I don't provide for me, no one's going to provide for me, so I'm going to provide for me. And so at work and different places, you feel like, man, if you don't make it happen, it's not going to happen. Let me ask you a question. Is that the heart of your heavenly father? You think, well, I don't know. Well, let's look at Jesus. Jesus took two fish, a few loaves, and he fed 5,000 people. Like provision wasn't really an issue for Jesus. If Jesus was your dad, uh, you wouldn't really have to worry so much about where the next meal was coming. As a matter of fact, one time, he even, uh, they, they needed this temple tax. And so the disciples come to Jesus and they're like, hey, we got to pay this temple tax. And Jesus, I don't know, this just must have been so much fun. But he said, um, go down and grab a fish and just reach into the fish's mouth and they'll be the, you pay for the temple tax, you know. For you and for me, you know. I, like, imagine your I mean, imagine that. That's the heart of your Heavenly Father. He has no problem providing for you. Jesus provided. He, he did it not only once with the 5,000, he did it with the 4,000. He had 9,000. And then they probably didn't count women and children, so there's just lots of thousands, okay? So you don't have to worry about it, essentially. Jesus took care of all that. You, you think to yourself, oh, man, my dad left me when I was little, Right? Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. 
You know what happened in um, Deuteronomy? So Moses led the people out of Egypt, and then he gets there, and he gets right to where it's like time to go across, and God tells him he can't go in, and so he talk, talks to Joshua. And he says to Joshua, "Be take courage. And he says these words out of Deuteronomy, I, I think it's chapter 13, but I'm not sure. Um, I'm never going to leave you. This is God talking to Joshua. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. You know, you have, maybe your dad left. Well, is God going to forsake me? Now look at Jesus. Matter of fact, even when Jesus left, he said, look, I'm going to leave, but I'll, I'll leave you with the Holy Spirit. It's like, I'll leave you with my spirit. I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You're going to be fine. Maybe your dad didn't listen. Your heavenly father didn't listen. Maybe he was like preoccupied with Sahabi or golf or whatever, or, you know, whatever. Do you know that you have a heavenly father that's just dying to listen to you, <laughs> dying to hear from you? As a matter of fact, one time Jesus, because if you want to know the heart of your heavenly father, you just look as far as Jesus and you can get an idea. One time Jesus was in his ministry and his ministry was starting to really take off. And so um, it was like a big deal that uh, somebody high up wanted Jesus to come heal someone in their uh, household. And so, um, and, and Jesus could do that. And so he was on his way to go do it. And this is a big deal. And the disciples are kind of stoked. They're like his posse, you know. And so they're going and they're like on this way to this official. It's a big deal. It's like if, uh, you know, somebody important asked you to uh, do their taxes or whatever you do for a living is, you know, this was like a big, uh, man, if I could score this account, it's going to be really good for our business, okay? It's similar to that. Or maybe, you, you know, you, you work for a thing and your boss asks you to do something special and you're thinking, if they can see me do this, it's going to be great. This is the same thing. And this woman, they're in this big crowd and this woman finds her way to Jesus. Now, she should not be in the crowd, she was bleeding, and so she was unclean. As a matter of fact, she, she should have just made everybody aware that she was unclean, but she snuck in there, and this is what she thought. She thought, if I could just touch his garment, I'll be healed. You wonder, Bing, was your father always busy, and so he didn't really have time for you? I wonder if God's like that. I don't know. Let's look at the heart of God. Just go as far as Jesus. Jesus is touched, he feels the power drain out from him, which I don't know what that even looks like. If he's like, whoa, you know, like pulls a hammy or whatever. I don't know how that looked, but he knew. And so he, he stops. And you know what the Bible says? She told him her whole story. 14 years, how she went to doctor after doctor after doctor, how it cost everything. Now he's very important, but he stops and he listens to him, to her. That's the heart of your heavenly father. Maybe your, uh, maybe your um, father was impossible to please. Maybe any sign of weakness, you know, any, any sign of weakness was something that they would just come and, you know, you got to be tougher than that. You got to do all this kind of stuff. You, you know what your heavenly father says? My power is perfected in your weakness. Like, like when you're, I don't care if you're weak. As a matter of fact, when you're weak, I'm strong. So go ahead and be weak. That's fine. That's the heart of your heavenly father. Let, let me, let me, I, I wrote it down this way. The mighty God part before this, the mighty God shows God's deity in Jesus. Everlasting father shows God's heart in Jesus. He's just like a really, really, really great dad. 
that's always there, always providing, always listening, always loving, is patient, not going to leave you, not going to forsake you. When you mess up, he's going to be there. Now, he does discipline like any great dad. Hebrews tells us we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. How much more should we be subject to the father of lights and live? Okay, it goes on. It says all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful. Like we, even when it's from God, discipline from God is not joyful but sorrowful. And then it goes on. Yet those who've been trained by it. And that's what a good dad does. A dad isn't just discipline and off. He, 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 okay, listen, this is why we have to go through this. This is why we're taking this away. This is why you have to understand this. Those who've been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. That's your heavenly father. Mighty God shows the deity in Christ. Everlasting father shows the heart. As um, Adra comes back up, um, I want to read a section of scripture that really I think does a good job. I'm not going to put it up there. Um, it's a kind of a long psalm. It's Psalm 145. And, uh, and so um, uh, it's going to take a while. But I, I just want to briefly show you how this whole thing lays out. It starts off with kind of how we see God typically. Mighty acts, um, really strong, um, powerful, kind of seated on a throne, you know, scepter, you know, kind of all this, this, this language that's hard to attain, hard to understand, like distant, I guess. Powerful and distant. And as you listen to the psalm, listen to how uh, uh, it, he takes this, uh, it's a psalm of David, how he, he takes all this power and he wraps it into these intimate times. And he goes back to the power and he comes back to the intimate times. And so as I read this, um, you can close your eyes if you want. If you have a Bible or you um, have your iPhone or your, or your phone or your tablet or whatever and you want to read along or an actual bible uh, that you can do that too um but but if not i'd encourage you just to kind of close your eyes and get this idea of of what god looks like and see if you can see any hints of jesus in there psalm 145 i will exalt you my god and king I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I'll praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty. I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Wow. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he's made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all the people may know your mighty acts and the gracious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations, the Lord is trustworthy in all his promises and faithful in all he does. 
The Lord upholds all who fall and lifts up all who are bowed down, bowed down. The eyes of all look to you. You give them their food in the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him. The wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let every creature praise his holy name forever and ever. 